Well, hello. It's episode 14 of the Tata Cancer Podcast. This week, we've got an amazing episode for you. I interviewed Tara Coyote, who is a breast cancer thriver and who also works with um, horses. She is also a life coach, grief specialist, and author of the number one Amazon best-selling book in eight different categories, Grace, Grit, and Gratitude, where she talks about her breast cancer experience and just uh, like this incredible pathway of healing. So I am very excited to bring this episode to you. Uh, just a couple announcements before we jump into the episode. I have been having an incredible time getting in touch with with you folks. People have been writing to me on Instagram, reaching out to me at various ways, and I see that the Tamoxifen episode really resonated with you. So I just want to let you know that I am going to be doing some upcoming episodes on tamoxifen and, you know, just some of sort of the natural angles with it, how to deal with talking to your doctor and stuff. And the tamoxifen facts and feelings workbook is live. There will be a link in the show notes for that. And what that is, is a resource for women who are either considering not taking tamoxifen or going off of it. And really some of the conversations that you need to have with your doctor that help you determine what what the risks of that are. So, you know, their science, cancer is not an exact science, unfortunately, cancer treatment. But you do need to be informed, you know, wh- what are the risks? Um, how much benefit could tamoxifen give you? You know, it may be a really good idea for you. If you do have hesitations, how would your doctor plan to handle it? And really just what are your plans for how to handle that situation if you do decide to go against your doctor's advice? And, you know, I am not telling you to do that by any means. It's a super individual decision, but um, a lot of women are. Statistics are, are pretty intensively showing that many, many, many women are going off of tamoxifen. And I just think we need to address this. And I would love to help women figure out how to create a plan for themselves if they are going to go an alternate route. So that's what that's for. Download that. It, it just helps you get gather the information and then also do a little bit of a deep dive for yourself personally, because One thing I like to say about that decision and and an important part of that journey for me was coming to terms with with what that means because you can't take it lightly. And um, yeah, I just want to help people figure out what is right for them. I do not push one decision or the other. So I hope that is a helpful resource to you. I am going to be coming out with more resources as time goes by. And um, I am also very excited. I just heard today that I got uh, um, an essay that I wrote was accepted into uh, the Wildfire Magazine's body issue. And I am just thrilled. It's a very raw, I, I will let you know when that comes out, it's a very raw just piece that I wrote about coming to terms with my new body after a mastectomy and my adventures in the world of online dating. So I hope it's humorous, but also I think it's very, like I said, very raw 
Um, so I guess if you are related to me or you're my mom, <laughs> you don't want me to you're you don't want to read about me talking about some kind of intimate things, please don't read the article. But um, if you are a woman who is in that landscape and on that pathway of healing, maybe it will be something that helps you feel a little bit better. It does have a happy ending. <laughs> Not that kind of happy ending. <laughs> I don't know, maybe kind of. Anyway, okay, let's uh, let's get into this episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tata Cancer Podcast, where we will discuss the physical and mental elements of healing from a breast cancer diagnosis. My name is Junie Boucher. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a breast cancer survivor. When you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you're forced to make life-changing decisions with so much information that's really hard to sift through. My intention is to help provide you with the information you need to make a decision that's going to align your body, mind, and heart so that you can live your best life going forward. I'm gonna be your new breast friend. <laughs> okay, let's do this. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Please always consult with your doctor for any of your medical needs. Hello, Tara. Thank you so much for coming on and, and being a part of the show today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, let's just start from the beginning. Um, if you want to tell us about, you know, how you, when you were diagnosed, how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 46 when I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. In so yeah, 2016. Yep. Yep. And did you find the cancer yourself or how did you? It's a bit of a story. So I was one of the main caretakers for my best friend when she went through acute myeloid leukemia for 22 mm. months. And um, like a lot of caregivers do, I put my own needs to the side because her health diagnosis was so severe. I did a lot of driving and just I, I don't regret it at all. It was a powerful, wonderful experience, but I wasn't really attending to my own body and my own self-care. Yeah. So um, about a year after she died at a very young age, sadly, mm -hmm. um, I started feeling some tenderness in my breast and noticing something wasn't right. Yeah. And uh, it took a few months to finally get the adequate medical appointment so I, I found out that, yes, I was diagnosed with stage three hormone-driven breast cancer. Wow. It had already gotten into stage three. So you, so you mentioned that there was, so there was tenderness, like you didn't necessarily find a lump, but you just had some, some unusual tenderness. I did have a lump, but I've always had fibrocystic breasts, you know, mm -hmm. sort of lumpy breasts. And um, I had gotten it checked out in the past many years before. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think much of it until it actually, <clears throat> excuse me, got pretty painful mm -hmm. and um, was becoming more prominent. So it got to the point of like, oh yeah, there's something going on here and I need to check it out. So like I said, if I was paying more attention to my body when I was taking yeah. care of her, I probably would have noticed it, but everything was going into my dear friend at that time. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there was a grief 
process around that too, which I've been really diving, going down a rabbit hole about like the emotional roots of cancer and specifically with breast cancer, you know, grief, um, nourishment, actually like motherhood or mother mothering. I, I have a feeling you've heard of Louise Hay. Oh yes. Yeah. She's so wonderful. Yeah. So I just finished reading you can heal your body. And she talks about with breast cancer. Yeah. Mothering and, um, not being able to put yourself first. That's part of the, you know, I know that's part of the breast cancer personality. Um, but anyway, so you found the, you found the cancer, you were at a stage three, that must've been scary. (laughs) Do you remember, do you remember the day that you got the call for sure. And I talk about that quite a bit in my book, Grace, Grit, and Gratitude, A Cancer Thriver's Journey from Hospice to Full Recovery with the Healing Power of Horses. I do re- remember it so clearly. I owned a horse ranch, a horse retreat center where I would do equine facilitated learning with people with horses. And so I remember that day I was putting on my my rain boots to go out to feed the horses and the phone rang and I ran back in. And yeah, it was that scary moment of, oh no, this is really real. So yeah, definitely a shocking moment. Yeah. And were you ERPR positive or you said it was hormonally driven? Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. And was it HER2 negative? It was HER2 negative. Yes. Uh yes. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, I had, that's my type of cancer. And was it invasive ductal carcinoma or which? Yes. Yes, it Mm -hmm. was. Okay. Yeah. That's the pretty, I think that's the most common one for hormonally driven and what types of treatments did you go through? Well, I had a lot of trauma from being with my best friend through spending months and months in the hospital with her. Cause she went the yeah. standard route cause she had the most severe form of blood cancer. And so immediately they said, okay, Tara, you need to do chemo surgery and radiation And I'd always been a natural girl and, you know, going to hospitals was something I loathed. Um, And because of the trauma around my best friend's incident, I said, okay, I'm going to go completely natural. I found Mm -hmm. Dr. V who wrote the book, Heal Breast Cancer Naturally. And I just dove into a full on 100% natural route of treatment, which I did for about two and a half years. And I was uh, fairly successful until a very stressful incident occurred, and um, which I talk about all in my book. And that's when the cancer spread mm-hmm. to my lungs, my liver, my spine, and my adrenal gland. So it was, it was a severe wake up call. And there's a lot more to share about that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's been quite a journey. That's for sure. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And I know one of the things um, that you mentioned, you wanted to talk about, which I am absolutely love is just the power of, of mindset. And, you know, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and how you felt that integrated into your journey. Definitely, definitely. When I was first diagnosed, uh, I dove into tons of research with my partner at the time. We watched movies, we talked to people, and somebody recommended the book Radical Remission. So I read that that book. Yes, this is incredible. And it really opened up my mind to, okay, mindset, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to choose to be the victim or I'm going to choose to let it empower me? So 
was a lot of work, as you well know, you know, those of us walking with a cancer diagnosis, it's every day we have to really work with the mind worms around it. Yes. So I jumped in right away to this thought pattern of I'm going to choose to see myself healthy and healing rather than, oh my God, I'm sick. I'm dying from cancer. So I, I choose that thought pattern every single day, even now, five and a half years later, because it makes a difference. And I don't, I don't label myself or I never thought of myself as sick. Although when I was mm -hmm. at a point when I was referred to hospice in the um, winter and spring of 2019, I was definitely sick and I was definitely dying. But, you know, I choose to let this path of cancer empower me rather than disempower me. So there's a lot to say about mindset and you know, for anybody, if you're walking with arthritis right. or depression, it, it's applicable for anything really. Yeah. Or even just really just walking through life, you know, I, I, yeah, you don't want to create limiting beliefs that are going to hold you back or even sort of push you towards illness or not achieving the things that you want in life. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So you live in Hawaii, is that right? I do. I live in Kauai, Hawaii, in the middle Ooh. of the ocean. I love my life. <laughs> and were you living there when you were diagnosed? No, I was living in Northern California in a little community called Nevada City. It's about an hour north of Sacramento. Oh, I do know of Nevada City. I've, I don't know if I've ever been there, but um, some friends just moved there and the pictures they send me are so cute. It's, it's very Northern California. I'm a Northern California born and raised <laughs> girl. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and is that where you were born or? No, I grew up in the Bay area, the San Jose <laughs> area, Santa Cruz. Really? Mountains. Oh, that's where mm -hmm. I'm from. I'm from oh. Cupertino. Yeah. And I went to UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. My dad taught at De Anza college. Oh, years, I so. live right down the street from De Anza. Oh, oh that's so funny. What a small world. Um, so yeah. So you, wow. Sounds like things really had a lot of twists and turns during your journey. And I'm sure you cover all of that in your book, which, um, uh, highly recommend everybody gets. Um, so I don't know. Let's talk a little bit about the book, if you want. Like, how did that even come to pass? Sure. Um, I let's see. I was planning to do a documentary um, mm. in the winter of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. I finished treatment. I did nine months of chemo. And um, that's a crazy long story. That's all in my book too. And so I finished with amazing results in February, 2020. And I was planning to make a documentary highlighting late stage people journeying with cancer who are thriving despite the odds. And I was getting everything in place. I had a website and all these people to interview. I was planning to travel and have people travel to me in Kauai. And then of course the pandemic hit in March and oh I lived on gosh. a tiny island in the middle of the ocean and everything shut down there was no travel and I thought okay wait I cannot do the documentary now but I had about six years worth of writing that I started writing quite profusely after my best friend died to channel the grief and the loss of her death 
And then I was writing and blogging all throughout my cancer journey too. So I thought, oh, well, I'm going to take this writing and I'm going to put it into a memoir because I'd been sharing my writing on social media and blogging for many years. And everybody kept saying, Tara, when are you going to write your book? So when the pandemic hit, I thought, okay, well, I'm isolated anyways. So I'm going to take this writing and put in a book. So I spent 15 months literally working on it for hours each day editing and refining because I had so much material. So I Uh published my book in August of 2020, which was a huge accomplishment and a lot of work. (laughs) Absolutely. Congratulations. Yeah, that is huge. Doing anything in 2020 besides just trying to maintain sanity (laughs) is a kind of miraculous in my book. Um, And when you, so writing the book, um, I'm sure that was very cathartic for you. It certainly was. Yes. It was very healing. Some parts were difficult to write about when I was in the depths of treatment and talking about my best friend's death, but it ended up being very healing Mm -hmm. for me to really embrace my story. And it took a lot of courage and vulnerability too, because I share some of my most vulnerable stories in my book. So just to share it with the world, but it's good. It's been a powerful healing process overall. Yeah. Well, being vulnerable, I think people resonate with vulnerability. So, you know, I commend your bravery. I'm sure that's probably why the book is number one in eight different Amazon categories. Uh, but yeah, actually I haven't read it yet, but I, I am planning on it because I think it's, it sounds very interesting. And I know one of the topics that you cover in it is the, the equine therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, I would love to. So I was uh, certified by Linda Kohanoff. She wrote the bestseller, The Tao of Equus. And I teach equine facilitated learning. I'm not a therapist, so I can't okay. really say therapy, but it is like therapy, basically. So it's sure. uh, I was taught to teach self-reflective and leadership-based exercises with horses. So I'm not a writing teacher. I'm not actually a big writer. And uh, so we'll do, I do day long workshops, couple day workshops. I also do grief rituals with horses. That's something I developed on my own after the death of my best friend. I was going through a lot of grief and I realized Mm. there was no place for people to express grief in our culture. So I developed these day long um, experiences, grief rituals with horses. So it's basically being with a horse and mm-hmm. sometimes there's reflective exercises sometimes there's more active exercises and it's a bit hard to describe it's i really recommend if people are interested to try it but yeah. horses are amazing reflections or reflectors of what's going on within somebody like you can be coming to be with a horse you can be frustrated or angry and be stuffing your emotions and something about being with a horse is incredibly calming and can sort of pull out those emotions in a very powerful manner. Um, I won't go into my story, but the reason I decided to do this training and go this route was because I went through a very painful incident with my husband that I was married to many, many years ago. And Mm -hmm. I was in a very hard space for about a year. And I started doing work with an equine therapist and it literally just pulled me out of this dark place. So I was uh, running a very successful Pilates and gyrotonic studio at that time in Marin County. And I decided to just sell everything, give up my studio and 
get my first horse and get a horse ranch. So it was a big leap of faith, but uh -huh. yeah, I was very inspired to do this work. And it's been so incredibly transformational for other people and myself. Yeah. So was that, did that happen before the cancer diagnosis or after? It, it happened many, many years before. Uh, yes. Okay. And yeah. had you ridden horses as a child or? I did. I was very fortunate to spend summers with my cousins in New Hampshire and they had horses. My uh -huh. parents would travel a lot leading safaris around the world. So I got a very good dose of being with horses at a young age. And I always begged my parents for a horse and I never had one, which in <laughs> retrospect, I would have been a less troublesome teenager if I had a horse, but <laughs> so yeah, I, I was a horse crazy young girl, but then I forgot about horses at a certain point. Boys took the, the, the main stage at the age of 16 or so. So after this yeah. incident with my husband, I remembered my love of horses. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I, I, I rode horses as a kid too. And I just remember there, there really is something magical and majestic. They're just such powerful creatures, yet there is this stillness, I think that, um, is so unique to their energy. So for a cancer patient, what type of, I mean, I love that you said that you do these grief rituals that sounds incredible. And there is a lot of grief around the cancer journey. Um, if, you know, obviously if their your loved one has cancer, but also for the person who has cancer. So if, if a cancer patient was looking to do some of this type of work, how would you guide that? How would I in particular guide the person if I was, I mean, is there or, something, is there sort of specific things that you feel are maybe beneficial to a cancer patient specifically, or maybe that's hard to answer? No, I understand. Thank you for clarifying. Sure. For sure. I would choose to do self-reflective exercises. I mean, one thing about being with horses is that it tunes us into our bodies and mm. A lot of times, well, we are taught in our culture to primarily reside in our brain, right? It's all about what yeah. we think and all that. And we basically bypass the sensations in our body. So a lot of the work is getting people in touch with their body. You know, Ooh, where do you feel pain? Where do you feel discomfort? And so first I would help the client get in touch with their body, drop into their breath. And the body has so much inherent wisdom to offer. So that's the yes. first step. So I usually do that with my clients, whether it's a private situation or at a workshop, and then I would have them go to be around a horse and help them tune into their bodies through being around a horse. So it's, it's a process mm. of opening up and then connecting with a horse and with a cancer patient, as you said, there's so much shock that can come and fear because our culture is so afraid of death and cancer equates death pretty much. Yeah. And um, it would be helpful for them to tune into whatever emotions they're feeling. And there's so much that goes along with it, as you well know. And, mm -hmm. and in the process of feeling the emotions, they can then release it and come to a clear place to mm -hmm. find healing within their body and their mind, you know, so much going back to mindset. It's about the mind, really, how we hold each situation on a daily basis. Yeah. So do you feel like the horses 
they, like you said, I think you said they bring things sort of to the surface for people or. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, hey, you went to college, you said at Santa Cruz. Yeah. Have you heard of the HeartMath Institute that's there in Santa Cruz? By you know, I, I know of HeartMath, but I didn't, yeah, I haven't. I mean, I was there back in the 90s. So, right, <laughs> so right. I don't know when they opened, but um, yeah, it's, you can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know when they opened either. But anyways, they're based out of Santa Cruz and you know about HeartMath. So it's yeah. all about how the heart is much more powerful than the mind actually and our gut our instinct too and i like to explain it sounds a little bit woo woo but for somebody who's okay. tapped in they can understand it so horses have huge hearts much bigger than human hearts and the, the power of the heart is so uh, dynamic basically so just by being around these creatures they help manifest this deep sense of calm and there is something to be said about the power of the heart and dropping into that i mean i know for us humans you can think about when you're feeling deeply whether it's for love of a human love of a child of an animal whatever it may be that's when healing happens so from being around the horses and like i said it's hard to describe you're really tapped into their own energetic field of their heart Ooh, which can yeah. help cause a lot of transformation. And just to add a little story, because you're asking about the horses. Yeah, please. Cancer. And I have a kid's book coming out about my Mustang, how a horse Comanche and I share this story in my book. But within the first week or two of me being diagnosed, it was very traumatic. And I was in shock and my head was spinning. And one of my horses, her name was Daisy. She was my only female horse. My, uh, the cancer tumor was on the left side of my left breast. She mm -hmm. came up to me one day and she's this stocky horse and she laid her big, beautiful head on my left shoulder, which was quite heavy. Mm -hmm. And then she proceeded to rub her head up and down the left side of my body, almost, to, you know, almost like take away what I was going <gasps> on and soothe me. So they're very wow. intuitive, very powerful creatures. So I like to tell that story because it was deeply, deeply touching. And then I yeah. ended up wrapping my arms around her mane. She had this beautiful golden blonde mane and just crying. Yeah. Body. So that was incredibly healing. It was like she, she knew what was going on and yeah. was there to hold space for me in a powerful manner. Oh my gosh. I just got tingles all over my body. That's, that is, I mean, I can only imagine that must've been just like, oh, what a, yeah, that, that moment or that phase of shock and numbness and great fear to have an animal be so gentle and nurturing to you in that moment must've just been gorgeous. So how many horses do you have? I have two horses now. When I uh -huh. ran the ranch, I had four, but when I was not doing well, I moved back home to Kauai, Hawaii, where my dad's from, and uh, getting a horse 2,500 miles away from California to Hawaii is, oh my gosh, it's quite a feat and quite a long journey for them and expensive. So I chose to spring two just because, you know, it was a lot for them. So I, I passed on two to a lovely woman and, um, brought to back to Kauai. And do you, so with your clients, is it typically something that you have multiple sessions or 
they come to the workshop and it's sort of like a one day thing. It's all varieties, basically, you know, some people come continuously to have private sessions, some might just do one. Like I said, I teach three day workshops where people come for all those three days. When I lived in Northern California, I had a retreat center where people could stay there, which was really lovely. I don't have that in Kauai. I live in an off the grid yurt. So it's, it's a very small space. But then there's also day long events too, where people can come for a day. Uh huh. That's amazing. And I'm going to link to your website and all your social stuff. Yeah. So if people are around there, they can, they can check that out. Cause that sounds really incredible. Um, wow. And so I know you mentioned doing some alternative natural healing while you were going through your cancer journey. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit about some of the things that you were doing? I, I always love to, I'm curious to know what you were doing then and sort of what you've hung on to, what you might be doing now, if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great question. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm -hmm. For two and a half years, I pretty much did everything I could. I had numerous fundraisers because insurance does not cover natural medicine. It was astronomically expensive. I pretty much tried everything. I went to Mexico for treatment when I was not doing well. Um, gosh, I did everything from, from herbs to vitamin IVs to drinking nasty tasting soy drinks from China that tasted like dirty socks. I tried, <laughs> you know, various healing mushrooms. Um, I even tried combo. It's frog medicine, sort of wow. a psychedelic medicine. I talk about all this in my book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything, coffee, enemas, um, ozone, lots of various treatments in Mexico. And uh, that was a really great question about what stuck with me. So when I knew I was dying, I had to embrace doing chemotherapy, which was, mm -hmm. I was terrified terrified to do because my sure. best friend had died and seen all that. So I had to face my fear of that. And I decided I really want to live. My son was 26 at the time. And I'd been sadly known a lot of friends of mine who had stuck to the natural healing path and had died mm -hmm. and left their kids at a young age, which was very heartbreaking. So I thought, okay, I want to live for my son. I want him to have his mama. So I did nine months of chemotherapy. And during that time, I still did the natural medicine, what I could. Mm -hmm. And so that's called integrative medicine. And I still mm -hmm. do that. Now I get monthly shots for cancer treatment, hormone driven shots. Um, Cause I have like Lupron or is it the uh, Lupron or similar Falsladex. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. And, and I also get an Exgiva shot for my bones. Cause I had metastatic cancer mm -hmm. in my bones. And, uh, but I still continue on. I do vitamin and mineral IVs once or twice a week. Um, I do CBD, THC, cannabis, mm -hmm. like a, a medical variety that was given specifically to me. Um, I take a lot of vitamins. I take noni. I, I have a mm. noni tree that that's a, a plant that grows in Hawaii that has a lot of healing attributes to it. And all this information is in my book too. And mm -hmm. on my website, I have a whole Tara's healing protocol page. Cause so many people ask me, um, oh, cool coffee enemas. So I eat healthy, you know, I don't have sugar. Mm -hmm. 
I eat all organic, I eat pretty simply. So yeah, it's, it's really a daily process of showing up and what do you put in your body and your mind? So yeah. Are you vegetarian or do you eat, do you eat any meat or fish? I am not a vegetarian. I've gone through periods of my life where I have been vegetarian mm-hmm. and vegan. And I've noticed for me that I need to have a little bit of meat. I feel yeah. better with that. So I don't eat a lot, but I definitely will have, you know, fish and chicken, occasionally red meat, but I keep it simple. But I notice my yeah. body feels better when I have it. And that that's a big, you know, in the cancer world, there's some people like, yeah. you have to be vegan. No, you have to eat meat. So I encourage everybody to find what works for them because everybody's different. No, I, I agree 100%. I, I, I'm the same as you. I definitely feel better with, with some animal protein, but I've naturally gravitated towards, yeah, the, the fish, chicken, some turkey, um, and just very occasional red, red meat. I just don't really crave it anymore, but yeah, that, that is something as, as I've delved into this cancer world as a, you know, in someone in holistic nutrition, I'm a firm believer in bio-individuality. I don't think you can tell anybody that there's a one size fits all or that everybody should be vegan. Um, and, uh, yeah, the sugar thing. So it's interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really do any sugar either. Um, and I've studied the metabolic sort of approaches to cancer. And I think there's a lot of merit to it, but that's another very controversial thing that people get really upset about. I think, you know, sugar is such a a soothing thing for uh, people use that to self-soothe a lot. And I mean, I, I love sugar just as much as the next person, but I just don't feel good. And I intuitively don't think that my body wants it. And, you know, the science that I've read, I feel like, although you know, there may not be science to directly link sugar to cancer. I mean, although there's there, some science says yes, some science says no. I think the other things that sugar does to the body certainly contribute to cancer. Um, so that's why I try to minimize it in my diet, but everybody really has to find their own pathway. There's no point in, you know, not being joyous in your life. And um, I think as we've talked about already your mindset is so key. Like I almost think mindset is, is more important. I mean, I, it all has to integrate, but if you're not happy or if you feel just restricted in every area of your life, that's not gonna, that's not gonna promote health for sure. Um, yeah, it's so true. I mean, we're so focused and it's so important to focus on what you give your body food wise and medicine wise, but we don't often think about, well, what are you feeding your mind? It's, it's, mm-hmm. I think it's actually more important in a way. What thoughts are you thinking and who yes. are you choosing to be around? Are you staying in toxic relationships? Or are you being around people that really inspire you and feed you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I know you mentioned, and I, for me, I, I feel, I mean, I was lucky during my journey, you know, I had a really supportive partner who, you know, he was, he's one of the most nurturing men (laughs) I've ever met in my life. But, you know, since, since then we have split and now I'm, you know, a single middle-aged woman kind of navigating survivorship. And so that's something I like to touch on a little bit in this podcast, just because it's, it's kind of unique. 
this is kind of personal, so you can opt out of this question if you want, but um, are you currently, you know, did, are you currently in a relationship? And you mentioned you were with a partner during the, the, the journey or like when you were diagnosed, was that, did you have support in that realm? You're good. You're diving <laughs> deep here to the vulnerable stuff. No, no, I'll, I will answer. I will share. Cause this is important, but <laughs> I just think uh, it's an interesting topic. If you no, don't mind. It, Oh, of course. No, I'm pretty much an open book and it's all on my book, literally. So yes, I was with a partner when I was diagnosed. He was really wonderful. Like, like you said, my partner was great, super supportive and with me to all those appointments and help take care of me when I wasn't feeling well. Um, Let's see. I think it was actually about three years into the diagnosis. It was when I was in the depths of chemotherapy, which was very, very hard to do Mm. for anybody's done chemo, like AC in particular Mm -hmm. and Taxol. They're both challenging. Yeah. But I realized, and it was a gift because I was so worked. I realized, oh my goodness, for me to get through this and Mm -hmm. survive and thrive, I need to make sure all of my relationships are clean and clear. And I noticed you know, he's a lovely, lovely man. And we're still close now. We're very good friends, but I realized we need a little bit of space. There's some things that aren't healthy here. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up uh, breaking my left hip uh, about six months into treatment. And I had to have double hip surgery, <gasps> which was so hard because of the oh bone metastasis. And we ended up breaking up two weeks uh, after my hip surgery, which was so <gasps> hard because I was stuck in wow. bed. My cousin was taking care of me. I was reliant on everything with everybody, but it ended up being a gift because it really made me dig into my deepest strength. And um, so we, we ended up splitting up. It was very hard. We didn't talk for months and months and months. And we are now friends to this day. It's, it's been two and a half years. So I have not been in a relationship for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. which uh, you and I are very similar age-wise <laughs> too. And at our stage, it's been very healing for me. And I chose yes. not to be in relationship because I knew I had such deep healing to do. And I know one of the reasons why I'm doing so well is because I have advocated for my own self-care and my sovereign self of like, okay, what does Tara need? I want to, you know, be clear in myself and with everybody I'm around, but I'm just now at the point you know, in the last six months, I'm like, okay, I'm open to spending time with somebody and it's, it's exciting <laughs> and it's vulnerable at the same time as I'm sure you can relate to. <laughs> oh yeah, no. And I love, I guess I, intu- maybe I intuitively knew we were going to go here. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think it's really important to talk about the power of being single. You know, we live in a culture that really just says, all right, if it doesn't work out, you got to, you got to start working on that next one. You got to find it because this is the point of life. And just like you, you know, it was very painful for me to break out of that relationship, but I knew in my heart, that was the right path for me. And there was a lot of deep healing I needed to do. And I've been doing the work and I feel amazing. Um, I've, you know, I feel more whole and, you know, vibrant than I've, I think I ever have, um, at this, you know, later stage in life. And, um, but yeah, I had a, another guest on the podcast, you know, she was a, she's a sexologist and a sex coach. And we were talking about 
the challenge, you know, this is what I think that women who were diagnosed, you know, under 50, you know, if there is a very unique situation of, um, you know, when you start dating again, and, and how do you bring this up with a new partner and how do you navigate, you know, this, this physical change? Um, I, I actually didn't ask you that. Did you, what type of surgery did you have? Or did you, did you have surgery? I actually did not No, wow. I was very stubborn. I'm like, I'm not going to have surgery. I can shrink this tumor, which I did not shrink the tumor, <laughs> but no, I never had surgery. So I did not contend with that. Like other women have. Yeah. So but there have been body changes, you know, cause treatment threw me into menopause and, mm -hmm. you know, like all of us, there's mm -hmm. body changes as we get older. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it, I will tell you as someone who has dipped her toe a little bit into <laughs> the, the dating world. I mean, it's, I feel very true to myself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was easier than I thought it would be to talk about this. And I don't know why I necessarily, I mean, I think one good thing about our culture is that most people do see healing from cancer is quite a major personal triumph. And, um, if there's not a lot of stigma to it, I think the stigma is more so in our minds of what did I do to make this happen to me? But most people are very compassionate and, um, you know, I've had, I mean, I'm not currently in a relationship and very happy about that, but just, you know, navigating that dating world has been a little bit easier than I thought it would be. It has its ups and downs. <laughs> Good. I'm yeah. happy to hear that. Yeah. You're brave. You're very courageous. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, everyone's timeline is different, you know, so, but yeah, I, I, I've waited, I waited close to a year, but it just felt, it just felt right to start to explore a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying, I feel like we've covered a lot. Where can we, where can people get your book? Um, can I just add one more thing? Of into course. The whole thing? I just yes. thought it'd be good to have, add this. So I was a single mom. I raised my son at a very young age and what I noticed, and I think it's very similar to like what you said, being cancer journey or it, it's a litmus test for people and their quality like I noticed yes. that with having a young son at a young age and also dating quote unquote although I haven't dated much um, but it'll show where somebody's at like if you say hey yeah this is my life I've gone through cancer this is still a part of my life it will show the quality of someone where if they are profound or you know I, I don't know what quite the word word is, but you know, of a substantial quality to stick around, then they will. Yeah. But if they're like, no, I'm sorry, I'm running away. Then it's like, well, I don't want to spend time with you anyways, because yes. you can't meet me where I'm at. So it actually can be a blessing. It can be tricky, but a blessing oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, it is a weeding out process <laughs> that sh shows some depth of character and, you know, just life experience. I mean, I think most people in middle age, hopefully have had some character building experiences. We all have our scars, whether they're from cancer or something else. And, um, yeah, that's why I, I, I looked at it 
when I kind of approach the situation is like, whatever, if, if somebody's not cool with this, then clearly they're not somebody for me. Um, but yeah, like I said, I've been pleasantly surprised that people are really just, it's usually more of like a, wow, that's, that's amazing and interesting. It makes you, you know, but you know, who knows there's still time for <laughs> some jerks to pop up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So let's, I mean, anything that you want to add, anything that you would like to kind of last words, what do you think, what do you think is the biggest way that maybe cancer changed you? Mm, love that question. <laughs> cancer made me really appreciate life. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish I had this awareness 10 years ago about how precious life is. Uh, sadly, I've had not just my best friend die, but another close friend. There's been so many deaths mm. you know, on a very regular basis because I have been outspoken in the cancer world. And sadly, when you know people with cancer, you're in a demographic where there is more death than say, if you don't, <laughs> if you're not yeah. in the cancer world. So every time a dear friend passes, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it really makes me realize, oh my gosh, I'm so fortunate to be alive. So I feel like you know, cancer has been a blessing to really enjoy life and find joy on a daily basis. It doesn't mean like I'm automatically in that mindset, but it makes mm -hmm. me find the beauty and appreciate the people that I love because I'm very well aware that they could be gone, you know, in yeah. a month, a year, two, whatever it may be. And my own life too. My own life is not guaranteed. I don't know how long I'm here. I'm so thankful to be alive, but um, it's really a gift to know that. So I am thankful to cancer for this. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I love that. I love that. What do you, what are some things that are currently bringing you joy? Uh, well, nature, I'm sitting mm -hmm. out, I'm seeing this beautiful redwood tree where I am right now. Um, because I'm in Northern California, not I know, in Hawaii. Sp I've spoken like a true Northern California girl. There's right? nothing like a redwood tree to, to someone from the, <laughs> there. I know that too. Yes. So true. So true. Uh, my animals, my, mm -hmm. my horses, my dog, my cats. Uh, I love writing. I love dance just being in nature, Kauai is so beautiful and healing. And of course, my dear friends and family too. So yeah, it's really important to choose joy or try to choose joy in every moment. So that's, that's what I try to do in the difficult moments. It's not always easy to find, but I find you could turn something around. Even the greatest tragedy has beauty in it and, and humor, yeah. humor. I always try to find something funny. I mean, even when I was stuck in bed and you know, my partner and I had just split up and I'd broken my hips. It was absurdly funny how horrible it was. So I tried to be like, okay, I need to find the humor in this insane situation. So humor and being silly and laughing is a big part of my coping technique too. <laughs> yes. I love that, that I could not relate more. And I, I think that's amazing. And, um, what, a yeah, just the absurdity. Sometimes you just have to be like, this is, you couldn't make this up. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, oh, wow. Well, I love that you said that. And yeah, so tell, tell, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can get the book, how they could, you know, reach out to you if, if you're open to that. 
Of course. Yes. Um, my book, Grace, Grit, and Gratitude is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of doing an audio book right now. I have a lot of editing to do, but it's there on print version and Kindle version. It's also in Barnes and Noble online. It's in various bookstores like you see that the, the bookstop Santa Cruz, which I know. Yeah. Ooh, the bookstore, um, the campus bookstore. No, sorry. Oh, that was okay. a blue, but okay. Bookshop Santa Cruz, not UC, Oh, bookshop right? Santa. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and other bookstores in Northern California and in Hawaii and Kauai, of course. So I'm working on getting it out on a larger basis and I am pretty active on social media. My main page is at Tara Coyote, my name on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I also have some other pages too, but you could go to that one. I have a YouTube channel because I've been making videos for years and that's at Tara Coyote. Same with uh, Twitter and LinkedIn at Tara Coyote. And I have a Facebook page for my healing journey. You can Uh find it at Cancer Warrioress or Tara Coyote's Healing Journey. And then my main website, which has links to all my videos and blogs, and I have resource pages too, is Cancer Warrioress. It's W-A-R-R-I-O-R-E-S-S. Okay. I will put all these links in the show notes and where people can get your book. I'm going to actually buy it. As soon as we get off this recording, I'm really excited to read it. It sounds wonderful. And I just, I'm, thank you so much for being here. This was such a lovely conversation and um, we have more in common than I even thought. so that was just great oh thank you I've truly enjoyed it great to get to know you I know I know all right Tara well I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and I'm going to um, sign off here all right thank you so much (laughs) sure Ah, well I will say that is a beautiful woman inside and out Tara is such an inspiration and um, you know if anything else I mean get the book I I got it it's incredible Uh, check out the the sanctuary wind horse sanctuary in Kauai and uh, you know at the very least follow her on social media because she posts the most beautiful uh, lovely pictures and just I really appreciate how genuine and open she is and how she was able to swing with the punches there. Um, I kind of sprung that um, dating question on her. So thanks for being game on that. Again, thanks for listening. I will be back in two weeks with another episode, uh, probably tamoxifen related. And uh, as always, reach out to me on social media. I'm on TikTok now. Did we talk about that last time? Uh, it is a bit of a learning curve. <laughs> so, you know, bear with me. But uh, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, I am at Junie B. Well, so I'm pretty easy to find. But if you have any um, suggestions for episodes or I don't know, you have a question or you just want to send me a message, Junie at JunieBWell.com. I would love to hear from you and um, get that Facts and Feelings Workshop uh, workbook, the Tamoxifen Facts and Feelings Workbook. Uh, link in the show notes and reach out to Tara. So thank you for listening. Oh, and uh, if you are a fan of the podcast, 
please leave a uh, leave a positive review. It really helps. Uh, rate, even just rating the podcast, that'll take you two seconds, really helps people find it. And um, I just love being here with you. I, ho- I hope you enjoyed the episode. So thanks so much. Wishing you well.